You're listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. To learn more about Chestnut Ridge Church, visit us online at theridge.church. Today's message comes from Pastor Josh Rhodes. It can be easy to take what we have for granted and to hold on to it tightly. However, if we can begin to see that everything we are and have has been freely given to us by God, the more we'll be able to share our blessings and give freely to those around us. As we cultivate gratitude and generosity in our lives, we will also strengthen our relationship with God and others. In this two-part series, Freely Given, we'll unpack and apply the biblical values of gratitude and generosity. Well, good morning. If you're new with us today, my name's Josh Rhodes. I'm one of the pastors here at The Ridge. Thank you, Evan, the, the worship team, and Brandy for leading us so far today. When I was 10 years old, my mom took some of my siblings and me on a routine shopping trip to Big Lots. To our surprise when we got there, they were having some kind of customer appreciation night. And it included a raffle for a $50 shopping spree. And as we walked in, I remember they gave each of us a raffle ticket and they said, fill this out, put your name on it drop it in the box, stick around for about 30 minutes, and we'll call the winner. Now, to this day, I don't know how I pulled it off, but I somehow convinced all of my siblings to put my name on their raffle tickets. Great big brother right there. So they filled out my name, we dropped them in, we hung around, and sure enough, 30 minutes later, over the loudspeaker, Josh Rhodes. I couldn't believe it. I won. I don't remember ever winning a raffle at, at, in my life. So the manager gave me my instructions. They said, okay, $50, you have just a few minutes. Go as quickly as you can, gather what you want, and come back and we'll count it up. I already knew one thing I wanted. It was an Adidas windbreaker. Do you guys remember windbreakers? I mean, no one broke the wind like we did. I just saw that on re- online recently. So I already knew there was a windbreaker I was going to go for. So off I went. I grabbed that. I grabbed some other things, you know, in my arms and come back and drop it on the, the counter. She counts it up and she said, okay, you're at $45. You've got five more to go. I'm going to let you go out one more time. And just as I was turning to run back out onto the floor, one of my little sisters calls out and says, Josh, do you think you can get some stuff for us? It was like the little girl from Whoville begging the Grinch not to steal their presents. I'm like, oh, right in the heart. And I didn't want to, but I did anyway. So I got some candy and a four pack of Super Mario Brothers soda, which they made back then. And I'm like, here, you guys can share this. All right. 45 for me, five for them, and at that time it seemed fair, you know. I won. This was my prize. You should be grateful for what you got. Today we're wrapping up a series that we've called Freely Given, and we're looking at these biblical values of gratitude and generosity, seeing the importance of them and also how they connect We're going to focus on generosity today, which is something I could have used a lot more of that day at Big Lots. You know, we mentioned last week, like gratitude, sometimes it seems that we just overflow with with generosity. 
It just comes naturally. Whatever we have to give, it just seems to, to flow freely to others. And I think we, we see that this time of year. They say between Thanksgiving and Christmas, charitable giving and volunteering is at its highest point of the year. And that's a wonderful thing. But I think other times we struggle to be generous. I know I do. And I was thinking about this this week, and there were three reasons that came to mind, though I'm sure there are more. The first reason I think we struggle is we tend to forget that we're stewards, not owners. And there's a big difference there. You know, a, a, a steward of a store or a manager of a store doesn't own the store. They take care of it on behalf of the owner, and so it is with God. Psalm 24 reminds us of this truth, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. God created everything and everyone. Therefore, who we are and what we possess is not ours. Ultimately, it is God's. I appreciate how Christian author Adele Calhoun talks about stewardship. She says, stewardship is the voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of resources, time, talents, and treasures for the benefit and love of God and others. I love that. It's this generous sharing out of a love for God and for others. And and what I think is that owners tend to have closed hands. This is mine. This is my $50 shopping spree. Back up, right? Whereas stewards tend to have open, generous hands, ready to share because it's not mine here. I think a second reason this is challenging is I think we view generosity too narrowly. You know, generosity certainly includes financial resources, and I think that's usually where our mind goes when we think of generosity. But God has given us so much more to give, and we're going to dial in on that today. And I think you're going to be encouraged because I know in my life there's times where things are really tight financially. And you might wonder, well, how can I be generous if things are already tight? I think we have so much more to give, and we're going to talk about that today. And then I think a third reason why we tend to have closed hands, and this one gets a little bit more beneath the surface, is I think our tendency is to be selfish. This is me and this is all of us. Galatians chapter 5, we see the works of the flesh, who we are in our, our sin, our fallen state, and it's contrasted with, with who God is making us to be through his Holy Spirit, the fruit that he's producing in our life. And if you read that list of the, the works of the flesh, right in that list is selfish ambition. This is just something that we are prone towards, to take care of ourselves, to look after ourselves. Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is encouraging believers to fight against that and said this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. That's what Christ did. That's the example that he set was to think of others as more important than himself. And I think we have a survival instinct where we just want to take care of ourselves. but we are called to follow Jesus and to imitate our generous God. Now, before we dig into the heart of uh, today's message, I came across 
a quote from Christian Smith and Hilary Davidson. They wrote a book called The Paradox of Generosity, Giving We Receive, Grasping We Lose. And I want to share this, I would say, primarily for anyone who is still seeking, searching. You're not sure where you are with God, with Jesus, with church. And maybe you're just kind of wondering, like, is this relevant? Does this matter to my life? And every time I come across quotes like this, it reinforces to me that what God said in his word is true. And every time they produce another study of some form, it points back to his truth. So this is from sociologist Paradox of Generosity. It says this, generosity is paradoxical. Those who give receive back in return. Giving money, volunteering, being relationally generous, being a generous neighbor and friend and personally valuing the importance of being a generous person are all significantly and positively correlated to check this out. Greater personal happiness, physical health, a stronger sense of purpose in life, avoidance of symptoms of depression and a greater interest in personal growth. I mean, I read that and I'm like, wow, who doesn't need more of that in their life? And I know that generosity isn't always easy. And when we start to feel our hands grip on what we have, I just want to remind us that this is ultimately about bringing glory to God. It's about helping others, but in so doing, we are also blessed. Isn't that what Jesus said? It's recorded in Acts chapter 20, 35. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And I think we know this. I think when we're generous with what God has given us, we feel that joy. We feel that, that satisfaction. So today's message isn't going to be probably anything new, but hopefully just a reminder to stir in us a heart of generosity, not just this time of year, but all throughout the year. So for our time, what I'd like to do is, is really look at the five blessings that we covered last week and then talk about how we can be generous in each of those areas. And if you missed last week, that's okay, because we're going to review as we go. So generosity, what is it? I would define it this way. It's freely giving to others what God has freely given to us. It's simply freely giving and sharing with others what God has freely given to us. And the first of five areas of generosity that we're going to cover today is what I'll call individual generosity. This is who you are as an individual person. The gifts and the traits and all that God has given you as an individual. Now, last week, we prayed prayers of gratitude, and I want to look at those again, but then add prayers of generosity to these points. So we talked about how gratitude, a prayer, is God, thank you for the gift of life. God, thank you for life. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that everything that I am is from you. And then I think a prayer of generosity could be, God, please help me see who you've made me to be. Help me see that clearly, that I'm not a mistake. I'm not worthless. I'm not less than. I am a precious creation in the sight of God. Help me see that. And then how I can uniquely bless others with my life. That's our prayer today. And I think it's remarkable that despite the vastness of the, the universe, the 8.1 billion people alive, those who've come before us and will come after us, God has uniquely made. 
And here at the Ridge, we've talked before about this idea in the form of our shape. And I'm not talking about the shape that we all say we're going to get in after the holidays. It's the shape of who God has shaped us to be, who he's made us to be. And it stands for our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences. These five things make up our unique shape. And at the top of the list is this idea of spiritual gifts, that when we place our faith in Christ, he gives us this unique enablement. He gives us this unique gift that we can use to bless others. We read about this in 1 Peter chapter 4. And notice that the word steward is right here in our passage. It says this, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks... Let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God's pr God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever. I love that. These spiritual gifts, you can also read about them in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's these things that God gives us, not for our own benefit, but to serve others, to steward those so that God gets the glory. This reminds me of a conversation I had with a Christian gentleman named Mike just in the past few weeks. And we talked for maybe a half an hour or so. And, and as he was sharing about himself and his life, I began to clue into what his shape was, or at least part of his shape. He, he shared that he loves to organize things and he loves to serve. And I'm thinking, okay, I think your spiritual gifts may be in the realm of administration and service. He shared that he has a heart to invest in, in kids, particularly those who don't have a father figure in their life. He shared about how he's athletic naturally. It just comes naturally to him. He shared his personality is just friendly and outgoing, and in his experiences, he played basketball. So with those things in mind, how do you think Mike is individually generous? He coaches youth basketball. He gives a lot of time to it. And he's not convinced that these kids are going pro. He doesn't care about that. He's not concerned about the wins and the losses. He's not concerned about that. He wants to invest in these kids. He wants to develop character in them and teamwork in them and, and give them a sense of purpose. And as he does that, he feels a sense of purpose and the children benefit and ultimately God gets the glory. I think this point alone, if all of us could properly see who we are in Christ and what he's given us, if we were to unleash that in our homes and neighborhoods and church and in our community, the difference it would make. So I just encourage you to continue to, to, to really think and pray on that. Who has God made you to be? What is your unique shape and how can you use that to bless others? So that's individual generosity. A second, would, which would be typically how we think about generosity, would be financial and material generosity. That we are generous with the things that we possess. And our prayer last week was, God, thank you for meeting my needs. Thank you for meeting my needs. The roof over my head, clothes on my, backs, food, on my back, food on the table, money in the bank account. God, this is all from you. Thank you. And a prayer of generosity would be, God, 
Would you help me be more open-handed with my money and my possessions whenever I see a need that I can meet? Because our tendency is to hold it tight. God, help me be more open-handed. And if we were to take an inventory of all of us together, of everything that we possess, I mean, how long would that list be? Homes, cars, bank accounts, all of it. It's all from God. And if we can view it through that lens of stewardship and generosity, the people that we could bless. There's some scriptures that come to mind of, of who we ought to be quick to share with, of course, with everyone. But as you read in the scriptures, you're going to see that God has a particular concern for the poor, a particular concern for the vulnerable, and also that we are taking care of one another within the body of Christ. Proverbs 22.9 says this, A generous person will be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Thinking of the vulnerable, James 1.27, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained, from the world. It's the orphans, it's, it's the children, it's the teens who don't have a, a family, whether permanently or temporarily, to care for them. It's the widow whose husband has passed and, and they need help. It's to take care of them. And then fellow believers, 1 John 3, 16 to 18, it says, this is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This next verse, man, it just it cuts me to the core. It says, if anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And what John is, is calling us to is just to look back to the example of Jesus. He gave it all. He laid his life down. He withheld nothing. And one of the most practical ways that we can live like Jesus is to be generous and meet needs with others. And that's one of the reasons why I love our faith community, our church, so much. We're just wrapping up the kindness campaign, and you gave hundreds of, of brand new coats for kids and teens and adults to stay warm. That's why you gave thousands of, of dollars to put Christmas meals on the table. It's awesome. But it's not just collective efforts, it's individual. I think of my friend who's part of our church. He's retired and wants to stay active and he drives for Meals on Wheels. It's a wonderful thing. And the reason why he does that is because he doesn't view his car as his car. He views that, views that car as God's car. And he views the gas and the insurance to be able to operate that car as God's, not his. So he has an opportunity once a week to hop in the car, drive to their headquarters, get the food, and then distribute it to those who are hungry. That is being generous with our possessions and our materials and what God has entrusted to us. A third area of generosity is relational generosity, to be generous in relationship with others. Last week we prayed, God, thank you for family and friends. Thank you for the people that you've placed in my life to encourage me and strengthen me and help me along the way. A prayer of generosity then could be, God, please help me love others well, especially those who are lonely, those who are left out, those who feel unloved. Earlier, I quoted the book 
paradox of generosity. And, and she mentioned this idea of being relationally generous. And I don't know if you've seen some of the same reports that I've seen recently, but loneliness, feeling isolated, people wondering, does anyone know if I, I, I exist? Does anyone care? Some studies have said that upwards of 60% of Americans right now feel lonely on a regular basis. Think about that. Six out of 10 feel lonely. Six out of 10 are wondering, do I matter to anyone? Would anyone notice if I wasn't here? This is a huge problem. And a relationally generous person isn't out to be best friends with every single person. That's not possible. But a relationally generous person does say, God, you've put people in my life to love me. You've put people in my life to care for me. You've put people in my life to notice me. I want to be generous and do the same for others. They're always on the lookout for people who are lonely and left out. And the reason for this is because it's Jesus's example. He was relationally generous. Jesus was not an us for and no more type of person. He was always extending it. One example involved children. Matthew 19 says this, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Leave the little children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After placing his hands on them, he went on from there. The disciples were wrong about their view of children. They were viewing these children trying to come to Jesus as a waste of his time. I mean, they were viewing it all wrong, thinking, what do these kids have to offer Jesus? Do they have money to bring Jesus? Do they have power to bring Jesus? Do they have influence to bring Jesus? Because if you don't have something to contribute to him and our cause, get out of the way. But a relationally generous person is not concerned about what they can get from a person. They're only concerned with what they can give to a person. And Jesus did this also in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. Jesus was described as a glutton, drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was his reputation for befriending and spending time with people who were normally overlooked and set aside, but not so with Jesus. And, and as I really think about this, if there was anyone, if there was anyone who was more connected and more loved, it was Jesus. He had constant fellowship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. He had 12 around him, and of the 12, there were three, and of the three, there was one who was particularly close to him. But yet Jesus was always looking out for people who needed to be seen and included and loved. And I would just encourage us to do the same. As you thank God for the people in your life, and as you thank him for the support that you feel, be looking for others to extend that to. Individual generosity, financial, material, relational. And then a fourth area would be emotional generosity, emotional generosity. Last week we talked about how we can thank God for the highs and the lows. We can thank him for the blessings and the mountaintops, but we can also thank him for the lows, the difficulties, because that's where he produces character, and that's where he produces endurance, and that's where he strengthens our hope in our faith. So as we thank God for that, we want to look for ways to celebrate with others on their mountaintops 
and give comfort to them in their valleys. Think for a moment. Who is someone in your life that really celebrates with you when something goes well? A lot of you are probably saying grandma, you know, people who just are so happy when something good happens in your life. But think about people who are there for you when things are hard, when things fall apart, when things aren't good. Who's showing up for you? This is generosity. This kind of generosity is seen in Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It, it commands us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. To really rejoice with someone, to be emotionally generous in that moment, not be envious, but to say, I'm so thankful that God has done that in your life. I am so excited that this is what's happening for you. To really be generous that way but then to also come down into the valley and say, I'm not going to try to fix you. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions, but I just want to be here. I want to be a shoulder to cry on. I want to be a listening ear. That's what this looks like. Second Corinthians chapter one also reminds us that when we get that kind of comfort from God in the difficult times, we can then share that with others. Second Corinthians one, three, and four, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is emotional generosity. The God of all comfort through his Holy Spirit, through people, brings us comfort when we're in difficult times. And from that place, we want to generously share it to others. There's so, so many examples that come to mind when I think about our church, but one of them is within our care ministry and specifically our divorce care groups and our grief share groups. And if you're not familiar, these are wonderful groups. We run a few times a year. And divorce care is for those who've been separated in a relationship and then grief share is for anyone who's lost a loved one, a significant other. And what makes those groups unique, and I think why they work so well, is because the volunteers in those groups have either been divorced or they have lost a loved one. And they come into those spaces and they are so emotionally generous. They, they get it. They've been there. They understand and they listen and they empathize and they weep with and they console and God uses them. What I want us to see is that, man, God doesn't waste anything. Any high that you've been on and any low that you've been through, God can use if you look for ways to be generous. And then lastly, and this is the most important, is to be generous with the greatest blessing of all, Jesus. To be spiritually generous. Last week, we, we said, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, for who he is and for what he did on the cross. And this week, we just want to say, God, help me share the good news of Jesus with people that you've placed in my life. Help me. Help me share this good news with those who are in my life. And one passage that comes to mind when I think about the gratitude for what Jesus did and then the generosity to share him is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 17 goes this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. 
This is why we pray, God, thank you for Jesus, that he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, makes it possible for us to be restored in our relationship with God. We're given the Holy Spirit. We're promised eternal life. We're brought into the family. This is worth celebrating. And the most appropriate response to this, the most appropriate response to what God has done for us through Christ is to be generous and share it. The passage continues, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This clearly spells out the good news, clearly spells out the gospel that all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us are deserving to be separated from God for all eternity. But Christ, who did not know sin, became sin for us. When he went on the cross, he took all of the world's sin, and he paid the penalty of death, but he rose again three days later, proving he was who he said he was, and he accomplished what he set out to accomplish. Now, the scripture says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors. We are making Christ appeal through us. And this is what God has decided to do. We know that he could take airplanes. He could align stars. Jesus is the way. Believe in me. He could do any of that. But he's chosen to use us as his instruments to share the good news of Jesus. And when I think about this, I think of a man named Doug. And he had only been a Christian for about two weeks, I believe. And he came to my father at work many, many years ago, and he began to share about Jesus. And he hadn't yet read the Bible. I don't think he was going to church. He knew very, very little. All he knew was he had placed his faith in Christ. His eyes had been opened. His heart had been made alive, and he just wanted to share it with others. So Doug began to share it with my dad, and he befriended him. And over time, my dad placed his faith in Christ. He was the first believer in our whole family system. And then my mom, and then the rest is history, and here I am today. It's because he was spiritually generous. He didn't keep this good news to himself. And I know for me, part of why I struggle with this is because I've known the good news my whole life. The good news can start to feel like okay news. It can start to feel like old news. But for people who don't know Jesus, whose sins are not yet forgiven, whose eternity is not yet secure, they need the good news. They need the good news. And what I believe to be true is that, we, is that as we are individually generous and physically and materially generous and relationally and emotionally generous with people, as we live that kind of generous life, freely giving of what we have, it builds relationships with people so that when we go to become spiritually generous, they may actually listen to what we have to share because we've already been generous with them. So let me summarize today and give a couple of applications. Generosity is freely giving to others what God has given to us. Just freely giving to others what God has given to us. It's individual generosity, Financial and material, relational, emotional, and spiritual. And today, I would say, 
two applications. If you're here with us and you haven't placed your faith in Christ, let me borrow from the language of 2 Corinthians 5 and plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. The problem we have is sin. The solution is Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, and the response is faith. You can call out to him right now, asking him to save you, to forgive you, to come into your life, and he will. Now, second, for those of you who know Christ, I want to lead us in a time of prayer as an application. We've looked at these five prayers, so in just a moment, we're going to put them back on the screens. And I'm just going to ask that you would enter into a time of prayer with me, because the more I've thought about gratitude and generosity, at first I thought, boy, these are easy things. These are things we know. These are things that we've been taught. But I'm beginning to realize that we really, really need God's help here. So what I'd like to do is just put the prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to read it. We're going to leave it up for just a moment. And I would just encourage you to read that prayer, pray that prayer in your own heart, and let's ask God to help us grow in generosity. God, please help me see who you've made me to be and how I can uniquely bless others with my life. God, please help me be more open-handed with my money and possessions when I see a need that I can help meet. God, please help me love others well, especially those who feel lonely, left out, or unloved. God, please help me celebrate with others on their mountaintops, and give comfort to them in their valleys. And God, please help me share the good news of Jesus with the people you've placed in my life. God, you are our everything. You are so generous to us. You've given us life, You've given us resource, you've given us people, you've given us peace, you've given us the greatest gift of all, Jesus. We are so grateful to you, God. We give you praise, we give you thanks, we acknowledge that everything we are and everything we have is from you. It's not because of our own strength or our hard work or determination, it's from you. God, help us be generous with what you've given us. Help us freely share and give what you have freely given to us. God, we want our lives to count. We want to be a blessing. We know our tendency is to be selfish, so God, help us be ones who are generous. We pray this and ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.